Now then, real chance opening up for Quinton. Fortune, and he takes it. Well, what a wonderful moment for Quinton. There comes Cross. Fortune! 2-0 for United. And Quinton Fortune, the South African, didn't he take it quite superbly? Ronaldo. That's an inviting ball. And it's headed home by Quinton Fortune. It's a great cross. And we know how brave Quinton is in there. Welcome back to the United podcast. We're still in lockdown. We're still recording over video chat, but we're enjoying these and judging by your comments, so are you. So we're going to do something excellent today. We're going to have a guest we've wanted on repeatedly. We've tried a few times. We've failed a few times, but we have actually got him and he has been much requested by his former teammates and by you guys that are listening. Today, we have got Quinton Fortune. What a guy. Maisie, what's he like? One, if not the nicest bloke in football. He's an amazing lad. He really is. And I'm telling you what, this will be a roller coaster ride because where he grew up, his background, coming from South Africa into, into London, it's just an incredible journey to actually end up where he is now as you know, a coach with the under-23s. It's an incredible story. But what a lad. What a lad. I don't think I genuinely have ever met a happier person no. in my whole life than Quinton, ever. No, he's infectious. He is. He is. He is just brilliant. He comes into the room and everybody just bounces off him. Mm -hmm. Everybody is is infectious. He really is. He's a great lad to be around. He's always laughing and joking. Top, top lad. He really is. He's absolutely brilliant. And I think something that I've loved about this podcast, I know you two have as well, and people that are listening, is that we're not just talking to footballers about football. We're finding out about their personal lives and some of their stories, like we had Evra's childhood, which resonated with a lot of people, as did Lou Macari and his heartbreak with his son. Uh, Quinton, I think, is going to have some stories that might shock people. But also, if you go on YouTube and you finish listening to it, there's a TED Talk on there that I think yeah. if you listen to that, you'll see there's so much to Quinton Fortune. And he does, he, he just resonates joy. Mm -hmm. It does. Radiates is what I should have said. What did you say? Resonates? I said resonates okay. joy. What That's a okay. moron. We could have edited it before you made an issue out of it, but now we're not. No, it's fine. <laughs> I will accept my mistakes. I wanted to say radiates. I said resonates. Oh. Never mind. Okay, let's get going. We will be back at the end for some post-match analysis. I, for one, am really looking forward to this one. So let's hear from the man himself, Quinton Fortune. Quinton, how are you? Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you for asking me because it gives me some time alone. <laughs> <laughs> Because you've just, you've got two children and just recently had another. So I bet your lockdown has been busy and sleepless. It's been, uh, Katie's been enjoying it, but having me at home, Zion has, he's at nursery now. He just started nursery last week. So Nora's waiting for me downstairs as soon as we finish this. He's like, she's daddy's girl. So yeah, I have to take her everywhere. <laughs> How old is Zion now? Zion has just turned three on the first of this month. Brilliant. And Nora is how old? 10 months. 10 months. I saw Quinton, uh, for anybody who's interested, a couple of weeks ago in the local park, just standing, swaying, trying to get the baby to sleep. I don't know how long he'd been there, but he was looking very vacant. I wasn't there, Lenny. It wasn't me. Oh. She didn't go yeah. to sleep, even no, after our social distancing conversation, yeah. which probably was about 30 minutes. She was still awake. Yeah. Yeah. Quinny, you should just speak to her. Oh, she needs to sleep. No, she That's why you were the best roommate. <laughs> Can I, can I get in Quinny's room tonight? I need a good sleep. 
Quinny, just talk to him. <laughs> Hey, oh, well. Quinny, it's good to have you on board anyway, mate. Thank you, mate. It's good to see you too, mate. Tell you what, it's like getting old of the Scarlet Pimpernel with you. <laughs> We've been close I've a been... few times, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I've just been... I've been sleeping. That's what I've been doing the last couple of days. <laughs> before, uh, before lockdown took place, we were due to have you on, but you couldn't come on because you had work. Mm-hmm. But the day before we were going to do it, I was with Wes Brown at Old Trafford. Uh-huh. And he said, oh, what are you doing the rest of the week? And I said, oh, we've got Quinton on the podcast tomorrow. And he was like, right, do this. And he straight away WhatsApped me some pictures of you and was like, you've got to bring these uh, up. You've got to talk no. about this. Make sure you kill him. No. You know what it is, don't you? No. Where's he? Oh, no, the marathon. Yeah, it was, yeah. Straight away, he sent me those pictures and he was like, bring it up, bring it up. Do it straight away. So I've got to do it because Wes told me to. Oh, wow. Let's go. One thing is obviously, one, there's a brilliant story you can tell us there. But two... I think it also shows how fond of you all of your ex-teammates are because all of them that we've spoken to have all said... Yeah, I'm not sure they're fond of me. They just enjoy a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Quentin. Uh, that was one of the funniest pictures ever. Oh. Honestly. So, yeah. What happened? It was so it was so bad that Scolzi texted me. That's how bad it was. Scolzi texted me the next day saying, Quinny, are you okay? <laughs> Laughing. <laughs> Talk us through it, Quinny. Maisie, I don't know. Why did you actually want to do it? 26 miles. So this is the London Marathon for anybody. London Marathon. Uh, so sure, yeah. I spoke to John Seals. John Seals was telling me it's for the foundation. So I'm like, oh, for it, brilliant. It was for, you know, uh, yeah. a lot of kids in, in, in Manchester live under the, below the poverty line. A lot of people. Yeah. So I said, great, I've got to do it. And um, I trained Maisie and I was like, something in your life, you just, I don't know, not something in your life. Me, I'm thinking, I've got to do a marathon. We played football, it's not a problem. And a lot of people told me, Maisie, Quinny, just take it easy. Don't just calm yourself easy. Yeah. Find your way through it. Me, like, whatever. Yeah, what, I'll just go for it. And the first 13 miles, Maisie, I felt great. I was like, what are people talking about? Like, you know, I ran like first 13 miles, I think <laughs> one hour, 45 minutes. I was like flying. I was running eight minute miles. And uh, at 17 miles, Maisie. That was it. Hit the wall. It's like, I don't know what happens. It's just, everything <laughs> shuts down, Maisie. But the thing is, it's, it shuts down, but you're still thinking, I'm still thinking, oh, I'm running, I'm running. But I'm not really running, I'm walking. <laughs> and in my and my head is like everywhere, and I'm thinking, what? But I don't even know what's going on. All I said, all I'm knowing is saying to myself in my head, do not stop. Because I know if I stop, yeah. then I'll just like, so keep going. But the problem is I should have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> have a drink or, or something or go Nando's or I don't know just take it easy <laughs> but um, oh amazing and, and and I just know I well I didn't know, know what happened I just woke up in a tent with all ice around me Quinny how far did you have to go no 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 this is the, sorry, amazing. This is the first one this is the first one yeah, I think yeah. it's the first one Yeah. The, the first marathon I'm running and boom no no problem easy not easy but I was yeah. in pain I was just praying for the end and two guys ended up carrying me over the line at the end and uh, the lads killed me. The lads saw so that those is pictures. The picture that you that's have. the picture that you have. That's the picture, lads. And that's where Scolzi like, called me and saying, Quinny, okay. <laughs> and then it just spread everywhere, like Rio, everyone, all the lads got hold of it. It was all over. They just, Robbo, Robbo saw me like, just went, Quinny. <laughs> and everyone just destroyed me. So I'm thinking, amazing, my head thinking, I've got to go back. Oh my God. I can't, I can't, let, this, I can't let this slide. I can't let them just do this to me. And people are saying, oh, you didn't really finish the marathon. I'm like, but I yeah, crossed the you line. Yeah, because you got carried over the line. Yeah, okay. Did you actually get carried over the line? No. Um, Did you actually complete it? 
I completely I'm, I mean walking but these guys are just like yeah but still and that's for me like people saying carries I'm like oh it's, it's just eating me inside I'm thinking I gotta go back so I went back the next year amazing <laughs> <laughs> did you not learn Quentin from your experience oh and then you know when I finished the first one they're carrying me away in in uh, stretch or whatever and those pictures the lads just, oh they just put those pictures in my face every day and then Katie came she found me and Zion was she was pregnant with Zion and then she found me in a tent because she was looking for me after the marathon she found me in a tent with jelly babies eating jelly babies I don't know she's like where, where have you been I said no I've been just relaxing here so in my head, since that moment, I said, I've got to come back, I've got to come back. And then uh, I went back the next year, Maisie, and I did it again. So before the race, they told us, everyone, this is the hottest day of the year. <laughs> Whatever times or you have in your head, forget about it. Was that 2018? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I, I ran that. Oh, thank you. Th- thank you. Thank you very much. You yeah. ran past him. While he was in the tent. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matt. Sam, thank you for that information. <laughs> <laughs> Just sharing. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my cheeks are sore. <laughs> so I'm going, Maisie, and it's it's just, and I started to go crazy because Maisie, you get those people that's got like uh, running with the time. So they run three hours, like the pacemaker. So the one guy get three hours, one guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm going good. I'm, okay, let's go for 3.45. I got carried away, Maisie. <laughs> 3.30, I'm following the guy for 3.30. And I'm chasing, <laughs> and I'm chasing this guy. I'm chasing that time. And I start to go just absolutely mental. And then oh. before I know it, Maisie, it's like, I'm just so gone. But I'm, that's when the moment I said, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then uh, at one split second, I just remember opening my eyes and seeing all these people around me and all ice all over me. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> You're like, not again. Yeah, and no, man, this is scary. This is a scary one because now you're thinking, when the world am I? Like, what? what is, like, what's going on? I swear I was running. I was running. I'm telling myself. So now I'm laying there, Maisie. I'm thinking, okay, I need to start, I need to start moving, but I can't move. So I'm looking at my, I look at my fingers. And I'm thinking, can I, why are they not moving? And I'm looking at my legs and I'm trying to move. And I'm looking at this guy standing like, oh man, I'm thinking, who in the world are you? At this time, did you actually realise, have I, have I completed it or have I not completed it? I don't know, Maisie. I just want to know where I'm, I just want to know who these people are that are standing over me. I'm just trying to figure out, can I, first of all, Maisie, I'm trying to figure out, can I move my, my body? Because I'm thinking, because <laughs> you, know, you just want to, because you don't, first of all, you wait, open your eyes, you think, who are these people? I want to get away, but you can't get away. <laughs> you can't, I can't move. And I'm thinking, oh no, I can't move. I'm moving my fingers and I'm, and I'm trying to get up, but I can't get up. And then I'm getting carried away and I'm thinking, no, wait. Like in my head, I'm thinking, why are you me? Wait, but I can't speak because I'm just so out of it. Then I'm in the ambulance. Then I'm, my speech comes back a little bit and I'm asking the guy, what's going on? He says, no, no, you, you had your head in the pavement. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. And then we came to get you. And then, and then when we came to rescue you, he tried to fight us. Like, Whoa. So, and I said to the guy, now I'm trying to apologize, maybe. I'm in the ambulance, I'm like saying, I'm so sorry. He says, no, no, don't, don't apologize. The brain kicks into like defensive mode. So luckily, Maisie, there's not a video of me bobbing and weaving and <laughs> jumping and, and punching. If it's a video, I'm honestly, I'm going back home because the lads were just finishing. Sugar, sugar A fortune. Sugar A, you know, just, <laughs> and then oh, it was just, it was brutal because Katie, she had to come find me again because, <laughs> In your shoe, they give you like a little tracker thingy. 
So yeah. Katie saw me stop, and then she saw me move a little bit slower, and then she saw me move really quickly. She's thinking, but the marathon's finished. Where's he going? Why is he running like? Do a trackie on the ambulance. I was, I was, I was running at thirty mile an hour. <laughs> And then I'm trying to I'm trying to speak to the guys in the ambulance. I'm saying to them, they ask me what's my name. I say I say I'm saying I'm thinking I'm gonna say in my head Quinton, but uh, at the at the hospital they <laughs> when Katie started to look for me, they wrote Winston. <laughs> so, I <couldn't. laughs> so I don't know if they wrote Winston Churchill. I don't know what name I gave. I don't know what Winston. name I gave. Maybe. <laughs> So Katie had to like say, no, there's a, is there a black guy here that looked a bit like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy. So I had to kind of break it down. Oh my word, that's so So I had to break it down for people. And then she, honestly, I said to the doctor, like, you don't understand. I was here last year and she was mad. This time she's going to kill me. So Katie's walking in. So this is a year later now. Now she's got Zion. Zion is born. It's like last year I was pregnant with Zion. Now I have Zion. No more marathons. No more marathons. <laughs> but uh, I don't even have the pictures somewhere. I have some pictures where they got. I've got the mask and the lights. They got, I don't know how. This is me laying <laughs> oh, on the bed. And... Quentin, you're just so funny. <laughs> no, 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 Ellen. So the first marathon where I where I got to 17 miles and my body just switched off and people have been telling me you're gonna hit the wall and I'm like, what wall? Why are people talking about this wall? Because I've seen loads of pictures of people like crawling over the line at 17 miles. I kid you not, Maisie. I swear, there's something hits your body and just like your legs go your just everything and as i'm running and i'm looking over the side and it's my ancestors and i'm looking at, and they're looking at me going what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> they just shaking their game <laughs> just honestly i swear i saw them and now i'm like i've got to keep going they just like oh man turn man turn <laughs> What are you doing, Quinny? <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 what I, that's what I know. Um, it's all over because when I saw my ancestors, I'm like, saw your ancestors. They just like they were shaking their head, thinking, Nah, 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 Quinny, you just you letting us down, yeah. <laughs> Don't come home anymore. <laughs> Brilliant. Quentin, if you hadn't have been a footballer, you definitely should have been a comedian or a long distance runner. Long distance, no, 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 no more. <laughs> Maybe just a ten k. Uh, no. <laughs> Winston, Winston, Winston Fortune. <laughs> By the way, I've got a I'm, I've got a bike now. I'm not running anymore, so I'm, I'm cycling now. So probably for the best. Oh, I've seen this on your Instagram. So what's it, what's it now? The Tour de France or something? Oh, amazing! I, no, 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 I'm just taking it easy. No more winning stuff. Winston Merks. No Winston. Oh, so funny. No, no more. Oh, please, oh, please stop the marathon. Oh. <laughs> was running something you were into when you were younger because we're going to go back no. and look <laughs> no never not even at Quinny not even going back to school time I, I, I did sprinting maybe like 100 metres 200 metres yeah just stick to that maybe 800 metres the longest but not like no I, I, cross country Quinny, running I, I, don't, I really don't understand why people do it why not the sh shorten the marathon yeah to like 17 mile because it's ridiculous I have done I've done the last two obviously this year's wasn't on and oh I'm sorry I wasn't I wasn't going <laughs> to did you, you finish the did you finish the did you finish uh, well, yeah? <laughs> uh, the, the, the 2018 you talked about 
all the way around every single tent because they have they have like a St. John's ambulance tent or another kind of like a medical yeah. tent at least every that's, mile. That's been renamed the Winston tent, that one. <laughs> <laughs> have a picture of me. <laughs> the ancestors tent. Every single one uh, was full of people. Every single one. The people were being treated from mile one to mile 26 that year because, it, as you said, it was the hottest one on record. Yeah. Do you know what, Sam? That's what I, that's what I love about you. You always try and make people feel better. Yeah. yeah. But it was. Thanks. People were being sick as they're running and all sorts. It was carnage. Oh, who, get, who does a marathon and gets to mile one and be sick? <laughs> that's when you know. Actually, you know, I should turn around. That's when you know, just, yeah. yeah. Right, let's go back to the start. We are here to talk about your footballing life, which is a lot Thank more you. successful than your running life. One more thing, one more thing, one more thing before I go. Yes, go, 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 go. There was one point, I swear, Len, there was one guy running with a, a, a fridge on his back. Are you sure, Quentin? No, really. He had a fridge and he ran past me. Is, is that the point where you know, maybe I should just take like a little, just go left here, Quentin, just stop. I swear, I saw him. He, he was carrying a fridge. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm hallucinating. I'm seeing, I must have been seeing things. He's carrying a fridge. And he ran past me. Did you see Jesus? Uh, Jesus, no Jesus. No blasphemy on the podcast. Yeah. No, no, there was a guy. There was a guy who was running in nothing but a loincloth, bare feet, with a huge cross. Wow. When you get overtaken by Jesus, that's a moment. Oh. I was praying. I was praying. That's why I was praying yeah. to Jesus. Please help me. That's the way He had his own problems. <laughs> Do you know what? Before I came on this podcast, uh, I just knew that it was going to be funny. No offense, Quentin. Thank <laughs> you. Helen. No other guest apart from Maisie that makes me laugh like you do. When you come on MUTV and you get a fit of giggles, Quentin's always involved. And I'm trying to be serious. Yeah, I'm trying to be a manager. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm really like professional. I know you can't be serious. <laughs> oh, funny guy. So those young kids now are going to listen to this podcast and think. Do we have to really understand really Quentin? <laughs> listen to him. Listen really, to him. Amazing. You're going to get it big time, man. So when I started with the 23s uh, uh, at the beginning of the season, we went to Austria. Not Austria, yeah. No, no, we went to Austria. Where did we go? Austria. Yeah, Austria. And uh, just before we have this meeting and Buddy's there and, you know, introduced me to the new players and the 23s. So Buddy goes, as we have a meeting, just find one more thing, lads. I just want to play something, you know, just to get you guys going before the season. He plays the... <laughs> The footage is a marathon. Nah. The lads looked at me completely differently after that. <laughs> <laughs> How have you gained any respect? Oh, it, just, it was gone. It was gone. They don't even pay attention. When I speak to them, like... Gone before you started. They're like, whatever. That's the weird Brilliant. guy from the marathon with the ancestors. Brilliant. Are you enjoying working with the under-23s? Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. So, oh, I miss the, I miss, I miss the lads. I miss them, yeah. So yeah, no, it's amazing. Because you see the progress, you see the the training they do, the, the way they behave, and you see the change and the, the attitude and how they improve. So, and then when they make the first team, that's even a better feeling. Yeah. So that's the, that's the most important part. Like Brandon, we saw Brandon at the beginning. When I arrived there, it's like, oh, Brandon just got better and better. And it's like, boom, he's a beast, he's in the first team. And we were like, he's got so much more still to, to offer when he gets to the first team. So yeah, super excited. And you've always taken a real interest, haven't you, in the youth teams when yep. when you were doing your punditry, for example, for MUTV. And you, you've, that's something you've always been interested in. So for you, is this the line you would like to go down for the near future? Oh, it's, it's a dream, man, because I went there a few years ago when 
the bus was still there and, and uh, he would allow me to train with Joycey. So I went and would do a bit with Joycey and Joyce was like, great. Because I was, I was still able, to, I was still able to run around, <laughs> so I would join in and um, and uh, the choice said, "Yeah, brilliant, help out with the lads." And I was like, "Brilliant!" I started to do my coaching badges and I went back. And now uh, uh, um, to be involved like a system manager is, oh, it's brilliant because now you're on the pitch every day. It's like yeah. it's like being a player. It's the nearest thing to, to being a player. Quinn, let's go back to your your, your early days as a kid, mm-hmm. growing up in uh, South Africa. What was that like? Uh, good, maybe in terms of the football. Yeah. But in terms of the environment, not so good, because it was like uh, where I grew up is just a lot of crime, gangs, and drugs and alcohol and yeah. So in that in that way, it was like ah, you don't really want. But the football, it was the best educate one well, education environment I could have asked for because right next to where I live was a stadium, and then all the kids in 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 our area played football. Well, brothers and sisters and stuff like that. So we were. Five, five brothers, one sister, but we lived with my auntie, so we were 11, 11 in a two-bedroom flat. Right, okay. But it was it was pretty amazing. It was absolutely brilliant because it was always something happening happening in the house. So yeah, so it was brilliant. Where would where would you be in the pecking order of age? I'm the baby, the youngest of everyone. Yeah. No way. So I was. Uh, so they must have looked at you and thought that's it. We're not having another one. That's. Just, I think my grandmother told my mum that. <laughs> That's it. Come on, we've seen Quinton. No, another we've one. We've seen Quinton. Oh, no, because my mum my had my sister, and then she wanted another girl, and unfortunately, she got me. She got you. She got She got Winston. <laughs> Winston. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was it was great, amazing. My, my, I'll give you an example, Maisie. So, in the morning, because we, we stayed right in, at top in the flat, so I could see you on the stadium on a Friday night when there's games. But in the morning, when I had to go to school, the guys were smoking drugs. As you open it on our stairs, so I had to walk down. So all the teachers at school used to ask me, why are you so happy in the morning? Because I just I just, I just came through the whole smoking. <laughs> I'm, I'm high. Whereabouts in South Africa is this? It's in, the, it's in Cape Town, the Cape Flats, yeah. Cape, right, okay. Is that, Cape is Flats, that a specific so area, the Cape Flats? The Cape Flats is like the ghettos, like just all right, straight okay. around. It's like... Uh, like the favelas in, in Brazil, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. So uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing. But uh, the, t- the, cr- the crime side, oh... Just want, just want to get away from that. Did you ever, did you ever get roped into that in any way, sort of thing? I was lucky. Uh, my brothers got in, got involved uh, uh, into that kind of. But it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like maybe you, it's almost like a little bit impossible not to get involved in it. Yeah. Because because you're living it. You go to the football field. You, you go to the football field. Something would happen while you go to the football field. It could be like fighting going on and cross shooting and, or you, or you go to school. And they could come to school because there was someone, someone at school that they tried looking for, and so it's almost it was very difficult not to get involved in it. But I was in a football field, yeah, and I was just lucky every time. You know, you go to the football field, you play, and most of these gangs they they like it when you play football, do sport. So they kind of like, okay, you're doing sport, they'll leave you alone. But the majority of the time, there's so much fighting going on that you can get caught in it. Maybe they saw you actually shooting. <laughs> They thought he can't be in our gang. Look at him. Look at the way he shoots. They saw me running. <laughs> You've talked there about the crime in the area, but also at this time, and it feels very relevant today. Nelson Mandela's still in prison. Yeah. Uh, there's fears, I guess, in the area and tensions over possible race wars. I remember it was very that well. Something, yeah. Was were you aware of that as a kid? And did you get to play football in mixed environments? And what was it all like? No, but this is, it's so weird speaking about it because that's the kind of environment I. I grew up in, but you don't even understand it because I just remember from a young age, primary school, early during the school period, getting my brother's bags and running home 
but I don't know why I was what was going on. And I would see the, there was a big tanks and tear gas Jesus. a few minutes later because the, 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 the guys were coming and the students would be fighting against the police. So that was the uproar uh, was happening in South Africa at that time. And that would happen three, four times a week. And I would just be running home with my brother's bags and then just see them running a few minutes later and there'd be fighting going on, throwing bricks and the big tanks and army guys would be there. And uh, But the thing is, growing up in my environment, that's all I knew until I got selected for uh, the provincial team. So this is where things changed because I didn't know any different. I was like, I got food on the table. I'm playing football. I'm good. That's it, yeah. I'm good. I, have, I could go watch football on, on, on the stadium on a Saturday with my friends. I didn't know any different until I had a white coach. The first, they, they call it the first multiracial team. So before, I, I, I didn't understand it because I only play with my so-called black players. And then we had a mixed team, a mixed team from, from the Cape Town provincial team. So we, had, we were allowed to play with white players and we were all 14, 13 years old. And we was, it was just natural when we got to put, we were put together, we were just natural. Nothing about race and, yeah. and it was amazing. We ended up winning the national tournament and uh, the coach, uh, first time I met him, had interaction with a white person. <laughs> it was weird. No way, at 14? At 14, it was weird. It was weird. No way. And it was normal. For us it was normal, but, hmm. but because of, it was a law in our country, that you, and I didn't, couldn't realize why we couldn't go to that beach and that. You don't even think as a kid. No. But years later, when, when I walked with my mom and dad, they said, yeah, we couldn't come to this beach. I was like, wow. That was, yeah, I said, yeah. Is that because it was a white beach sort of thing? Yeah. Or a white area? Or, white area yeah. and you weren't allowed to go there. And the, actually the area that I moved my parents into, Maisie, was a predominantly white area. Like, it's called Pylons. And normally if you had to go there, you either had to work there as a servant. So my grandma, I, think, I later heard the story was my grandma actually worked in that area. So for us to move in there, it was like, people start staring at us. And I remember one of my, my dad, bless his, his, he passed away a couple of years ago, he said, he was working in a garden and the police came by and the police asked him like, where's the owner of the house? And my dad, because of his human, he said, no, the guy's inside. Yeah. He just <laughs> and it was actually his house. It's his house. It's just another, only the owner's inside and just carried on working in the garden. Oh my God. So that was, uh, I was at Africa. Was like it was. Um, it was like now the images you see now. That was South Africa. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. What do, What do you think of everything that's happening now? No, I think I think I saw a quote from uh, Will Smith uh, on his Instagram saying about something about racism is now being filmed. It's nothing changed. It's not. It's just the difference is is being filmed. Mm. So, I think it it was been going on for so many years that it had to. Well, the George Floyd video. It was just like, and I, I said to I said to a few people like even if you, even if you look at the video, and forget about the color of the skin of the person. Yeah, exactly. Just another human mm -hmm. being doing that to another human being. Yeah. That's the scary part. Yeah. Forget about the color. Forget about just forget the color of the skin. Just look at a human being doing that to another human being. That's like whoa. And then you if you put the color to it, what's been going on for yeah. years is just uh, yeah. It's just crazy, and and I'm and I'm I'm thinking about yes, it's a tragedy to see what happened to George Floyd, but what would go through the the the, the cop's head? What state is he in? To to do that to another person? What happened? What happened in his life to have to carry so much hate for another human being? That's like that's just like wow. So yeah, it's uh, I just I just yeah, I said to, we, I have a lot of conversation with Katie, and we just like shake our heads thinking, oh my goodness. And we're thinking about our kids and like, oh my goodness, we need to pray. We need to 
educate them and and uh, try and help as many people as possible to kind of see see a different see a different way. There's got to be a way where we can just live together, but it's been going on for so long. It's it's sad. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, you mentioned there that when you were fourteen, that was the first time that you'd mixed um, with the white children also yeah. playing football, but. For you, it just felt natural because it was football. Talk to us about how your progression started in football from that age. Well, I was playing. Is that when you got scouted? Yeah, I played for everyone, and <laughs> I was like the kid. It was just my brothers would be playing football in the field, and I was just sitting there on the side and chase every ball when they kick the ball out, and I'll go and get it. And it just eventually told me to join in. And now I just love playing football, and and I'm glad I did because if you weren't playing football, you end up doing something really bad. As as simple mm-hmm. as that. And um, I played for my local team. I played for the school. Well, I didn't play for the school team because the school team in South Africa at that time was uh, Afrikaans school. So my first language is Dutch. So depending where you were born, you had to play rugby, and I couldn't play rugby to save my life. <laughs> and rugby's <laughs> a great game. So the first game I played for the school, which is compulsory, and um, uh, I, I tried to tackle someone. I got hurt and I came home. I said, Mom, I can't. Bless my mom. She just she went to school this, the next day and took me out of school and she put me in a school just for football reasons. Just for football reasons. Wow. She put me in a school just opposite the house and then the, that changes everything. So I played for the school and then eventually things just started happening. Got selected for the provincial team. Provincial team. So the coach that was our first multiracial coach after the tournament, he said to me, uh, came to me, said, would you like to go to England? And I was like, yeah, of course. Oh my goodness, amazing. It's like a ticket out of the ghetto. It's like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he had to get permission from my parents because I was a minor. Mum and dad signed the contract or documents for him to be my guardian. So uh, you can imagine. Oh my goodness, he was just... Uh... So who who was this guy? His name is uh, Colin Gee. So he was just a, lo- a local guy. I think he came over here when he was a young guy himself as well. He came to play over here. So is this a South, a South African guy that... S- South African guy, yeah. Came to live in England, then he went back to South Africa and yeah. did a bit of coaching and stuff. He coaching and, and um, so he took me out of school mazes before I came over and he just trained me for six months. I think six to eight, six months, yeah. Just trained me uh, three times three times a day at his, at his house. On your own? On my own. So he could obviously see the ma- major potential in you? He saw something. Where was you? I was uh, still in, in Cape Town, so I was in school, so he just took me out of school. Oh, just to ask, so he still carried on living in Cape Town? Still carried on. Before I came over, he just he, he make sure I was physically fit and yeah, yeah. prepare myself, basically, because I'm going to compete with kids my, my same age. I couldn't just come from the way I was. I was skinny and yeah. so I had to kind of build me up and, build you and up. Make, make sure I'm uh, ready for the competition when I come over. So for the first six months, I trained three times a day and it was just brutal. It was like running uh, on the mountain, gym, Football. It was. Uh, I think probably the, the the biggest test of that because I could have. There was moments I was like, Nah, what yeah, is what this? I, doing? I just want to go home to be with my family and friends. And but I was so determined to get to get out, mate. I want to get out. That was my. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. I never want to go back. That was my fear. I think that's what kept me going through my whole career. Didn't want to go back. Is that something that your mum and dad would have said to you as well? This is your way out? Or were they keen for you to do that? No, they never said to me anything about uh, 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 this is your way out. I think it was just something in my mind because you see so many images when I was growing up and I was thinking, I saw the drugs, I saw the the fighting, I saw the shooting. And I was like, 
as a kid, you know, no kid's supposed to see that. No kids. And no. it's like, so in my, in the back of my head, when this opportunity came, you don't say to yourself, it just, it's something there that's just like, if I have to run 10 miles, run 20 miles. And it was almost like out of fear, just, I don't want to go back there. I do not want to go back there. So whatever this is, just go. Mm. So every training session I was there and, and there was loads of my other friends that also had the opportunity to probably go overseas as well, but they didn't turn up for training. I don't know why they didn't, but I just like, you want me to be a trainer tomorrow? I'll, I'll be there. So there was, a, there was a few of you that you actually took out of school to, to coach and train? Yeah, there was a few that also had opportunities and I just made it. I just wanted to, to go. To so what, did you, what, about, what about your schooling and stuff? Schooling, I came over when I, so I left school. At what age? This was 14. So I didn't, make it, to be honest truth, of course, if there's kids watching, education is very important. But I couldn't care, maybe because I was told I'm going to play football every day. This is like Christmas to me. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah. what do I have to do? Where do I have to go? Whatever. Training, no problem. I just boom, boom, boom. And then uh, after six months, he said to me, look, we're going to England. And uh, the, the contact was with Tottenham. So with Terry Venables and a guy called Barry Bridges who was in contact with Terry Venables and came over, stayed in a place called Balzai's Park in London. And that's how it all started, mate. It was just, it was like, for me, it's like a different planet because I've never been out of Cape, never been out, yeah, I've been out of Cape Town. I, tr- I started traveling when I was nine because I played for my provincial team. So we traveled with a bus to Johannesburg, Durban, but I've never been out of South Africa on a plane. Never been up there. I was trying to open the windows, Maisie. I was like, oh my goodness. This window that open. Oh, Maisie. It was just, it was, it was, it was mad because you leave everything. When I look back now, I'm thinking, how in, it's by God's grace that I've survived because how in the world I leave everything. First of all, I, knew a little bit about English but because my first language is Afrikaans sure and then it's just like not it's just everything I knew my my friends my family the, the waking up in the morning seeing Cape Town Table Mountain the weather and then you come to a place where it's like everything different London everything so quick the accent the meeting Terry Venables going to the training ground seeing Gaza it's like so much it's just so much. Were you interested in English football before this? First of all, we didn't have a TV, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. But I did I did have images of, uh, the crazy thing, I had images of, of Spurs with Steve Archibald. I saw it somewhere at someone's house, somewhere in Cape Town. And for some reason, that, that was in my head. I was like, why is that in my head? But anyway, but I, the honest truth, I just sit on the field just opposite my house and just imagine what life was like in England. That's all I remember. I used to look up in the sky. I know, I know I must have been a crazy kid. I used to sit there thinking, what is life like in in England? And for some, for some reason that imagination connect with something and I end up being in England. And uh, I just remember going to the training ground for the first time and seeing Gaza and Gatlinica and Terry Venables and Pat Van Den Howe and Eric Torsford and uh, Gary Mabbitt. And it was like, for a kid it's like, for me, it's like, wow, it's like another planet. Mm-hmm. And then I train, they put me with uh, my age group and I train with the kids. And then one moment I'm walking over to the first team and they said, are you joining with the first team training? No. At 14, I'm like, what? Wow. It was just mad, it was mad. How long did it take you to, cause you said you didn't really speak much English. 
But obviously your English now is absolutely flawless. So how long did it take you to? I wouldn't go there far, Sam. I wouldn't go there far with my English is flawless. I spend most (laughs) of my time talking to David May. Your English is flawless. Brilliant. It's a bit better than my Afrikaner, mate. (laughs) So, so you training? That's like incredible. Fourteen year old, fifteen year old. I'm fourteen when I just arrived. So I trained with the first team, Maisie, and then. Wow, I kid, I kid you not. I need to find this. I need to, I need to contact somebody at the, 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 the Sun newspaper to see if it's always possible to find it. So in the Sun newspaper, I arrived after a month. They put a picture of me front page, the first million pound kid. Nah, I'm like, what? On the front page? On the front page, first million pound. I need to of the Sun, so I need to contact someone at the Sun. I don't know how I'm going to find, but to ask them if they can get that article because it was early night. It was like I'm sure, but I'm, I'm sure, Quinny, by the time this goes out. He was ninety. He was ninety one. He was ninety one, Maisie, and uh, ninety one. And it was crazy because it was just like it was Christmas for me every day, Maisie. But that article was like, come on, it was like this is ridiculous. Because every time I played for the the youth team, so many people came to work. It was obviously now the yeah million pound kid is is here. On the yeah, Quinnin, a million pound in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, when he's fourteen. What's that worth now? Thirty years later, that's got to be. 10 million, something like that, whatever was, it is. I don't know why they put that out. That's... I'm, I'm, claim, I'm going to claim that 10 million pound. <laughs> I'm going to claim it. Where's that money? That is crazy. So, so yeah, it was just crazy, amazing. It was, it was crazy. That's it, mad. And it was just uh, Gaza. I mean, seeing Gaza every day, there's always something happening and it was just the best experience. And then take it even to another level, amazing. So now everything goes well. Terry Venable say, yeah, we want to signed you and I'm like and, and first of all Terry Reynolds was, was amazing to me he was just unbelievable the way he treated me and um, they said yeah we want to sign you I'm like great so they put me into digs uh, in an area called Enfield so now uh, for me to get a work permit to stay in the country I, I had to go to school so I'm like no again kids watching <laughs> school is important education is important and I'm like no I don't I want to play with my teammates okay I had to go to school so now Maisie they put me into a private school wow Oh my goodness. I hardly paid attention in school back home. Now I have to go to private school. Now I have to wear like a, a suit, a tie and the whole gear. So now I have to play for the school team as well, Maisie. Really? <laughs> so talk, talk. No, this is how extreme my life has been. So going from the ghettos, school, back home, windows and broken and desk, whatever is crazy at school. Now I'm playing for the school team. I'm, I'm driving on the bus for our first school game. And we arrive at this amazing looking hotel, like Parliament. And I'm one of my best friends now, I'm still good friends with him, John Banks. I said to him, where are we going? He goes, no, we're playing a school called Eton. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I don't know what Eton is or what. Yeah. I'd, so for me, I see these kids walking around. I'm looking outside the bus. I'm thinking, why are they all looking like judges? Because in South Africa, only time you see people with long is a judge. Yeah. So I'm like, how can these kids be in my head? I'm like, how can they be judges? They're so young. <laughs> <laughs> but this is how they dressed the, the Harry Potter and it, the whole it came to me years later amazing it was the most amazing school whatever they call it yeah. school I call it the hotel or parliament that I've ever seen in my life I, I didn't know there was something like canteens and the football field was like the carpet was it was ridiculous yeah. I was like come on this is my first experience in being eaten <laughs> so it was like from there to crazy Quinny, you, you'd been one of the first South African players then, would you? Would, would there be anyone around by then? So Lucas came, I think, 91, 92, and he ended up at Leeds. Lucas, Red Abbey, and yeah. uh, Phil yeah, yeah. Massinger. 
but there was a guy called uh, Albert Johansson. That's like in the fifties and sixties. He right, played at okay. Leeds. He was the first like South African or African kind of yeah. play in the UK. But uh, and I think obviously so Gary like Bailey, second or third player, like yeah, yeah. Oh, Gary Bailey, yeah, Gary yeah. Bailey, and um, but it was just crazy, amazing. But uh, considering the size of South Africa, that's incredible, really, isn't it? That you were only maybe like the seventh or eighth player. I, I think I think there would have probably been players travel be or allowed to leave before, but because of our apartheid, mm-hmm. yeah. we were closed down to international football. Yeah. So I think if apartheid wasn't there, you've probably seen loads of players even way before me mm. leave South Africa. Wow, that was an amazing story. During all this time where you're playing Eton and uh, training with Gaza, did you struggle with any homesickness or anything? Because it was such a different life. The What I did, Sam, and the honest truth is, I found where I lived in Enfield, uh, Rodeo Drive, I, I tried to find kids that were playing football in the street. So all I did when I felt homesick is play football every single day. So the only time I went back to my room, because I know if I go back to my room, yeah. that's when you, you, know, you start to start think, thinking. oh, you start. Yeah. So I played football every day until I had to come to eat and sleep. That's the only time. Because I knew if I go back into the house, into my room, that's when I start thinking about my mum and then it's like, oh, no, no, no. How did you com- uh, commute with them? Communicate, sorry, with them. They saw me because obviously when they, when I moved in there, Maisie, they, they found out that uh, there's a kid from Tottenham. I saw them play in the streets. So I just went to join him. No, no, no. I mean, your family. With my, ah, by, sorry, with my phone. Sorry. So I, I was allowed to call my mum once a month. What? So I got a call, phone call once a month and I could call. I would either call from the house or I call from, go to the White Hot Lane and call from the stadium. Once a month at 14? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That must have been so hard. Were you in digs with anyone? Uh, I was in digs with amazing people. At the beginning, I was in digs with Nick Bombay. He was brilliant with me. Mm-hmm. He stayed there, but he moved on. And then at the end, I was in digs with uh, another player called Junior McDougall. And then I ended up on my own. I moved to another digs. But um, yeah, Nick, uh, Nick Bombay was amazing. Such a small world, isn't it? How his son ended up being at United as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. One phone call. Yeah. And then I went home once a year. So when I went home, it was like for two weeks in a year. It was like <laughs> the best thing ever. It's like, oh, yes, I'm home. Thank you. Kissing the ground, the sun. Oh, yeah. But by the time you land, you're like going back. Yeah. That had been the quickest two week ever. Oh, it was, went like that, amazing. But I think the moment I got the taste of, of what it's like here and, 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 and the football and what's, what's able to happen, I just wanted to get like even more like determination was there but when I went home everything looked so small and just different and I was like and I saw where I grew up and I was still living in the same area because I wasn't earning the money when I started playing professional football and I was just determined of as soon as I get some money and I want to get my mum and dad out of this area oh my goodness that was the first thing in my mind just as soon as I get my first paycheck I'm out I'm out so after four years in the Spurs youth setup. You went yeah. back to Cape Town and ended yeah. up in Spain. Yeah, so what happened was, the honest truth is, the agent, that the guy that brought me over, uh, a bit of a, an, a bad person in a way because um, the deal with Tottenham was um, they offered me a professional contract, they put me in school and everything, look after me, and then I have to sign a professional contract. So I'm like, yes, I was ready to sign, but because he's my uh, guardian, he said, no, we're not signing. And I'm like, yeah, we're signing. And he goes, no, no, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he wanted money for himself, more money for himself. But then we went home. And I was like, I don't want to go home. I want to stay at Tottenham. We, I've just, because uh, we that year I was supposed to play in the Youth Cup against United. So that would have, so our 
amazing the connection yeah. and if I could just go back uh, so I'm a Tottenham schoolboy so we have to clean the change rooms so one year uh, United come down with Cantona Giggs yes, that's the one where Giggs goes around Eric Torsford yeah yeah and he scores not Mags um, Jason Condi yeah Jason Condi and he goes around Condi, the keeper yeah. and I'm sitting in a corner there with the, all the other uh, players and this is honest truth I had amazing I swear and I was like oh I was hitting myself I had a camera and all the lads were there, United lads, and I took a picture of all the players, United players. I got home to my digs, there was no, you know, that, that uh, film. No, film. Yeah. Oh, film, wasn't it? Oh, oh. oh broke me. But oh. anyway, I, I got one good memory because I used to carry a tennis ball around and always kick around within the change room with the, with the players because we had to clean the weight change room. And the only person, amazing, that stopped of all the players was Eric Cantona. Wow absolutely amazing like I'll never forget it we were kicking the ball he, he came and he stopped he had a little kick about with us we were like oh my god and you're 16 at this time yeah the king the king just stopped to have a kick about with us wow like a wow moment and he didn't have to but he just no a few seconds that just like took me to another place stays with you for life oh amazing amazing unbelievable and uh, so the same corner we were sitting it was so it was so amazing because a few years later uh, the boss brought me on at, at, at the White Hot Lane and it's the and I'm running and I just realized go on Quinn go on Quinn and I'm crossing the ball for Root because that's the game Root were playing against uh, well Root were playing against Casey Keller was in goal yeah and and uh, this game we were winning one but we needed that second goal because Tottenham were coming and I crossed the ball to Root Root finishes and we all go and celebrate in the same corner we were sitting amazing it was like a wow experience like I was sitting there in the corner as a kid that's incredible. And now I'm on the pitch. I was looking at Giggsy. I was looking at, uh, 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 what's your name? Uh, um, Vinny Samways, Naeem. I was looking at Cantona. I was looking at... Yeah. Unbelievable. And now I'm on the pitch in the red jersey. It was just like, nah, amazing. Come on. This is just... <laughs> this is crazy. That's incredible. incredible. This is mad. So yeah, I went home to, to Cape Town. I didn't really want to go home because the agent had caused some problems and he wanted... So, okay, I'm listening to him. I shouldn't have. I listened to him because he's the, the person who gave me the chance. Almost everything. Yeah. He took me out of the environment I was. He, he trained me and he brought me over. So did, did Spurs, couldn't it? Did Spurs not try to get back in touch with you and said, listen, you know, we'll sort it all out? They were trying, Maisie, but because he was my guardian, he had all the power. And I'm a kid. Oh. I'm not, I've got no kind of, not right, but uh, he, was like a, he was like a father figure, Maisie. So you, you kind of listen to him. Yeah. So what happens now, Maisie, before I go home, I go to Chelsea. So now Chelsea wants to sign me. I'm at mid Glen Hoddle. I trained with him for, I don't know, six months, whatever. Say, great, we want to sign you and everything. Don't know what happens there with the paperwork. So I end up going home and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's over. It's not possible. But I continue training, continue working hard. And then uh, uh, he says to me after a year or so, there's an opportunity to go to Spain. And I'm like, let's go. I want to get out of here. I didn't want to come back in the first place. So now another challenge. <laughs> I have to learn Spanish, the style of play. And uh, just another different world, Maisie. Different world. Just everything is different. The weather, uh, of course, the weather is great because it's like South Africa. Yeah, yeah. But um, the lifestyle is different. The siestas in the afternoon. I was like, I had to kind of adapt because I was out in the afternoon on my own. Everything was closed. I was like, where's, where's everyone? They were sleeping. So the same guy that, that takes you to England, yeah, takes you back home and then takes you to Spain. Takes me to Spain. So now I'm, I'm in Spain, Maisie. I've, and how, how old are you now? Uh, 17, 17, 
almost 18. 18. So now I'm like, Maisie, I just want to like, I just want to play. I just want to play football. I don't care where. I just, I've, you, you've given me a taste now in England. It's like, that's the possibilities. And now you take it away. I'm like, no, I want to go back there. And then uh, the opportunity came to go to Spain. Great. Everything goes well at, at Atlético Madrid. They signed me for five years. I'm like, phew, relief. And then starting, and this is the first time I started and like proper money because when I taught them as a kid at 14, you, you get uh, 20 pounds a week. Yeah. So they give you like a little bag with all the coins and the 20 pounds, like 20 pounds, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, 20 pounds a week. And then uh, start earning some money. So I've, as soon as I start earning money, I'm like, mom and dad. What was your way, first wager at uh, Atletico? Can you remember it? Good question. It even pesetas, I'm not it? Macy. So yeah, yeah. The, the money with the hole in and stuff. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Uh, Macy, okay. The, our blessed soul, our former president Jesus Gil, used to give us uh, cash. Right. So yeah. Is that is that depending on obviously? So you didn't have like say hundred pound a week, two hundred pound a week. No, no, no. It was just you get it was just, every, every, few, every few months. The club does well. Every few months, you just get out like a bag of money. Yeah. So I used to travel home with all my money, uh, a money belt. <laughs> but there was no, there was no, um, you know, the the the, the machines made like now, like all the detectors. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. There was just like. Did you know how much you were going to be getting? Helen, for example, so you would be traveling. I'll be traveling home, say for example, with five thousand pounds. <laughs> so back then, like, this is ninety-five or maybe ten, and you have like all the money just. Like, Ten grand like, around you, around me, just like in 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 like, yeah, Pesetas. Yeah, Pesetas. No way. Because amazing, there was no, there was no like security like no, no, like yeah. where they yeah. you go through the middle detecting all the yeah. You just walk. So you walk into South Africa with ten thousand pounds with Pesetas. Yeah. Did you not have a bank account, Quentin? I yeah. But I wanted to go home to my. I wanted to take some money home to my yeah, family. I to take all the cash home. <laughs> oh my well, word. That, well, Helen, that's how we were paid. That's how we were paid. Yeah. So if you're gonna get cash, you take the money to the first of all. Ah, yeah, yeah, if there's yeah. anyone listening, I did pay. I did pay my taxes just in case anyone in Spain. Uh, <laughs> Listen, this is this is years ago. I, don't matter. We're in Spain anyway. Amazing. They might be looking for me. I did pay taxes <laughs> just in case. Taxes is very important. Pay your taxes. And have an education, children. Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Education. Yeah. So you walk. So you you walk into your mum and dad's now with ten grand's worth of pesetas. Yeah. Where where on earth do you change it? Just at the bank or at the airport, Maisie. So how many rand have you got now then? Ten thousand quid. I don't know how many, Maisie. I don't know how oh many rand I've got. But I just know my family were happy. Oh, I bet they were. Because you imagine we've come from nothing and now we got all this money. You'd have been on that first plane back. <laughs> You better get back there, Quentin. We need some more. <laughs> I was I was making it rain when I went home, Maisie. No, no, no. No, it was just it was just my look for, for my family to, to just to have a bit of money and and not to worry about yeah. where the next whatever's coming from. It's just it was a brilliant feeling because uh, so, so that, that's when that's when you come out of the ghetto and into this white community. So it was ninety eight, Maisie, when, when we started uh, when we bought the house because that's when I started playing the World Cup, some money away, and then I said. My mum, uh, I think the house that we bought was forty-two thousand pounds in nineteen ninety-eight, and this is a four-bedroom house, granny flat, big grounds. It was like from where we come from, a two two-bedroom yeah. flat in the in the, in the ghettos, and they were sleeping eleven, fighting eleven. It was a triple bunks, and now my, my we got a garden. It was like whoa, amazing. It was like <laughs> it's all over. That's so good. And That's to live in like the, the area that it was, it was about. 15 minutes away from where we live and just next to it so it's like 
black area, white area, gang fight, peace. Yeah. Like quiet, nothing. My dad was walking around in, in, in the afternoon. My da- First of all, my dad didn't want to move. My brother said to me, my eldest brother said to my dad, okay, you don't want to move? Stay. We'll take the furniture and we're just leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that the the next couple of days, they started shooting like crazy. And they like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm, yeah, come and get me. But my brother said, no, dad, we're moving. Probably quite scary to move though, whenever that's all that you're used to into something that you that's don't really that know. That's all that they know. Exactly. Exactly. That's why my daddy was... Uh, He's like, where are we going? We're going to pilots. It's right there and it's peaceful. You can walk outside and no one's going to shoot you. So I think that was a bit... Uh... Is that in Cape Town as well? Sorry, Quentin? Yeah, or is that... that was in yeah. Cape Town. Anyway, I think that to, for him to adapt into that, like I can walk outside and no one's going to like try to do yeah. anything. Yeah. But um, he really enjoyed living in pilots. Oh, he, did, he didn't want to leave. He's just like, oh my... He was thanking me every time I come home. Like, Thank you. And and as you say, Quinny, then you're... you're obviously looking at the World Cup then, aren't you? So, so you're yeah, established we, by then as a... We, um, we qualified for our South first World Cup yeah. in France 98, Maisie, and that's when I uh, decided to buy the house for my parents and it was like the best thing ever because it's just like, such a yeah, relief, like, yeah. oh, okay, they're safe now. Boom. I can carry on now focusing on football. Your journey, yeah. 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 Your debut that you made for Atletico, Athletic you actually played against Barcelona and Ronaldo? So, quite rich. So, uh, Mr. Radimir Antic, our first team manager then, I just signed for Atletico Madrid and um, I was playing from the B team and he asked me, to, well, he asked me, he put me for the first team. And this is when Ronaldo from Brazil, the phenomenon, was oh, yeah, yeah. was coming in that season. And I was like, oh, I've heard about this Ronaldo guy and I was like, who is he? And, and he's like, yeah, we're going to see him. Amazing, this is the crazy thing. When I was in Enfield, in my digs, I used to have all the players on the wall, like, you know, I had Pelé in the middle, Maradona, I had uh, Desai, I had uh, Giggsy, I had uh, Robbo, I had Inzi. So all all the players in world football, like, you know, you had uh, Maldini and this is the early 90s. So you had all the, the yeah, players yeah. and I all, and then I saw for Letico Madrid and I've seen I had Pep Guardiola, I had Jose Maria Baquero, all this. And I'm, yes, Pep and yes, Figo and yes, Ronaldo. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like another crazy moment. So the game goes on quietly and I'm trying to think who's this Ronaldo guy and he doesn't do anything for the first 15 minutes Maisie and our crowd start to sing abusive things towards him and uh, he's, he had a girlfriend that also played football like a blonde girl that also played football yeah, back yeah. then yeah. and uh, they start to abuse him and his girlfriend he scores a hat-trick Maisie <laughs> stadium quiet quiet no, no more abuse like Ronaldo we love you <laughs> yeah <laughs> So now, Maisie, I think we're losing like probably 4 0 or 4 1 or something. And I'm on a bench, and uh, Radmi Antic, he calls me Fortune. In Spain, they change your name, Maisie. They just yeah. call whatever. Fortune, Benny, come. And now, Maisie, this is like since Tottenham days as a kid, I've never really had the prof- taste of professional football. So now, this is my real, this is the moment where I'm going to actually make my debut as a professional of all teams against Barcelona. Pep Guardiola. Ronaldo, Figo, you name them, you go through that team. It was just like, come on, what is this? I can't you can give me any team, but you give me Barcelona, I'm not complaining. So I'm about to go on Maisie. I'm super excited, I'm sweating, I'm like, oh my goodness, like so many things are going through my head. <laughs> just to go on, just about to go on Maisie goes, Fortune, yes coach, I want you to mark Ronaldo. 
what Manila game is this, Quentin? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Then why are you, are you looking for it? Are you looking? Why are you asking for it? Why are you asking? I don't care. Why is it important which minute this is? Is is this like a marathon question? I want to know. I want to know how much damage did it. Maisie, Maisie, I came on, and I kid you not. So he's, he's standing on the alpha line, and I'm. And now I'm going to mark it. And I end up doing this, mate. I end up going to... And this to, is your debut. This is my debut. I end up going to stand next to Ronaldo and I'm like this. I'm trying to play cool. Like, you know, that... And I'm... Um, you know that... <laughs> Your ass is going. Motion, yeah. It's gone, gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, again, again, Maisie, just before I get went on, the ancestors, my ancestors again appeared winning. <laughs> <laughs> they appeared again winning. <laughs> we, we, we know, we, we can't go with you on this one. <laughs> You're on your own. You're on, you're on your own, Grenade. We meet you. We meet you in the tunnel at the, at the end. So now, Maisie, I'm, I'm going on. And I'm standing next to Ronaldo and I'm trying to play cool. And Ronaldo, you know, Maisie, he's like. Yeah. Yeah. like, And I'm, and I found myself doing this, Maisie. I'm like, just looking at Ronaldo again. Close your mouth, Quentin. Maisie, he was. Like Ellen, now people ask me, "Did you get? Did you? Did you see?" I don't know. I didn't see him. I saw him after the game. That's how quick it was. Maybe I'm gonna try. And, honestly, I'm gonna try and break it. the highlights. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna try and break it down for you. You know, when people talk about Messi, I love Messi. I, you know, I was very fortunate to play against with, with Cristiano and a beast. This guy was Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Zidane. Throw one more in. Yeah. Giggsy, whatever you put all put all those players together and you maybe get Ronaldo. For someone to come to Old Trafford, Maisie. Uh, yeah, yeah. And get the standing ovation, you have to be a player. He was, he was just, phenomenal. He was just a joke. He, yeah. Yeah. Maisie. So he, sometimes you get players, Maisie, that are quick, but they're not very intelligent of when to run. He was quick. He knew when to run. He could stop. He could dribble. He could. Just like. Anything. What is this? He was strong. If you're trying to push him on the wall, he was just like. Ridiculous. So yeah, that was my debut. I remember going to um, is it Inter Milan, wasn't it? He went, yeah, it was Inter Milan. Yeah. And I, re- I remember his debut. We played against him in, for his debut, and he only played the first half, and he was like incredible. And exactly what you said. You look at him and you think, wow, wow. He's built. You don't realize how big he is. It was just phenomenal. Like, it was just everything. Phenomenal. Like you look at the complete play. Yeah, everything. Like if he wanted to, if I'd, I'd sprint you, he could do that. If he wanted to slow down and beat yeah. you, he could do that. He knew how to run between the lines. He could do that. He could play short. He could it's like, what is this? Everything. Everything. Yeah. And then every time I played against him, unfortunately, he scores a hat trick. So <laughs> the game, so, so amazing. This is, if you look at the highlights of the game at Old Trafford when they beat us, I came on the last 15 minutes and you see I'm angry. I'm angry because he scored a hat trick again. Yeah. For me, it was hard. For me, it was hard, Maze, because I, I, when I arrived at United, I was like, this is like the highest level. And I couldn't, almost like I couldn't accept that there is another, they were just another level. That team would sit down and, and obviously having Ronaldo in your team, it takes you to another dimension. But it was just, I just wanted to disrupt them because they look, made it look so easy to done that day. That, that old traffic was just effortless. Yeah. Roberto Carlos. There's, there's good players, there's great players, oh. there's world class players, then there's them. There was the, exactly amazing. Different planet. Different planet. And they would, Roberto yeah. Carlos was pinging a ball over to Zidane and he would just knock it into someone's stride. Just, not even look like he was trying. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh my yeah. goodness, I need to come on here and just do something different, disrupt them and to get amongst them because it was just, it was hard to watch. But uh, yeah, that was that was my debut. 
Did you ever think he was a jinx? <laughs> Every time he played against him, he's gone out. By the time I came on, Maisie, he was off. You had a standing ovation. I was like, oh, he's gone off. <laughs> I wanted to kick him. It's too late. Talk us through your moves to United, Quinny. How did it happen? How did it come about? When did you hear about it? Because presumably, it was a bit somewhere between very exciting and maybe a bit of pressure because United had just won the treble. Yeah, I'm watching the game in, in Madrid with uh, my agent then, the guy who brought me over. And he's talking about, like, oh, there's a possibility of going to United. I'm like, how? Like, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Because when I played in France 98, there was big talks about uh, PSG actually came to the our hotel and they wanted to sign me to go to play for PSG. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do the deal, speak to the club and everything. But I don't know what happened there. So, but that was like really, they, they their representatives came to the club and I was like, okay, that didn't happen. So now he talks about United and I'm like, how in the world are we watching these guys winning the European Cup, won everything, and me, I'm going there. Like, even when I told my teammates that they were laughing, I'd be like, yeah, Quinny, you're going to So we're laughing. <laughs> but it actually happened. So I'm, I'm turned up at the cliff. I remember uh, uh, watching the scout, uh, Mick, is it Mick? He came to pick me up at the airport and we drive into uh, the training ground. And this is, this is so weird. And this just shows you how great United were because... This is a team that's won the treble and had one pitch, one training pitch. Yeah. This was just blew my mind. It's like, I'm just came from Atletico Madrid. We have a few training pitches there. These guys just won the treble. Everything in Europe, dominant league, FA Cup, boom, European Cup. One pitch the club. I was like, whoa. So when people talk about like, you know, you need these amazing facilities. No, you don't. They had a team and that changing was so tight. It was like, yeah. how in the world did these guys win the... But the, the, when I when I realized why they were so amazing, I, I enjoyed my first training session. I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is this is like another planet." So we have this thing called may as well tell you, you have a box in the morning, piggy, whatever they call it, uh, rondo. You have to modernize it now, rondo. I went in. I think <laughs> I, got, I had to get the doc, get the oxygen tank out because just another marathon. I can't remember getting out. It was just like, then you saw skulls fizzing at Maisie, would be fizzing at each other. It was like effortless, just like, wow. And then the training, the, 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 the tempo and training was like, I need, I need to step back. I need to, I need six months or another year to get, to adapt to this because this is, this is something else. But the way the guy, you guys were training Maisie was like, was like you didn't win the European Cup. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it's like the team trying to, to achieve. It's like, it was just Next relentless, week. relentless every day. And then you saw Keenan, the way he trained, it was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was just like, blew me away. Just, I quickly realized if I want to get anywhere near this team, you have to step up a thousand levels. It was brilliant to see that. And that's why I try to now, when I speak to our young players, you've got to bring it every day in training, your application, your preparation. And it was the cliff. It was that the team spirit, that, that unity you guys had was just, Unbreakable. That wins you. Forget about people talk about this. This team was great. That unity you guys had, unbelievable. How did you feel when, it, in your mind, you obviously thought, "Oh, I need to make another step up." Did you feel like you were out of your depth, or were you excited about the challenge? Because we spoke to Patrice, and yeah. he told us after his debut, where he had a, a horror forty-five minutes against City after the game, yeah. his agent apologised to him and said, "You know, you're not going to make it here. We're trying. I'm sorry, I moved you here because the step up is too big for you." Did you ever have that kind of panic or you're like, good, I'm excited, I can do this? No, you just think, I think at that time, I would just think I wanted, 
because you get the opportunity to go to Manchester United and you just want to make it. So again, that clicks in about if I have to run 10 miles, I run 20 miles, if I have to work hard, mm. work harder than everyone else. Because you, you, it was there, it was... So if you see Keeney, if you see Maisie, oh, these are all the best players in Europe and uh, Giggsy training hard and, and, and Yorkie and, and you see all these great players, Coley and all of them, Ole, working hard and you think, I've got to train harder than them. They've won. They've won everything. So that just rubs off you. The you know you see the best players in the team. They're working hard. as thinking, Bex running up and down. Yorki finishing the plea test with with Bex, and it was became normal. So I, I look the first few months. I, I had to kind of calm down because I walk in an environment where all those the players I'm I'm seeing I'm training with. I had them all as a kid. So I had to kind of like a little bit of a fan, like, there's Keeney, oh, there's Kingsley, oh, there's... <laughs> so I had to kind of calm it down. But once you, once you calm yourself down, and, you know, you, you speak to yourself and, okay, you have a football and then you get in the football pizza, the guys, they can see your talent, they, they encourage you. And then the football does all the talking. But then, you know, it's not just about the football. It's about your, your work ethic. You can't just come to training and think your talent's going to take it. It's your mindset, the way you work. Because the lads work the socks off every day, every day. Yeah. And once they, the lads see you doing that, your talent takes over. Of course he does. Cause, well, the thing is, the manager wouldn't have brought you in, would he, if you, if you weren't good enough? Yeah. What was the manager like in those like, first three or four months fit with you? It took me a while to understand it, first of all, Maisie, not, not disrespect, but it took yeah. me, I just, no, no. all I said to the yeah. manager, yes. All I knew was saying to the boss, yes. Whatever he said, yes. I just said, yes. <laughs> it was just, but the boss was good because... What, what, what was the conversation he had with you to, to actually bring you to the club? Uh, I just remember he came to speak to me at the club. He just remember the boss saying to me, "We want to sign you." And I was like, "That's like yeah, the best that's that. noise you could hear." Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, "Okay." Yeah. And I said, "Yes." Boom. Yeah. Sign. Where's, where's, where's the contract? Where's sign? the contract signed? I didn't care what the club gave. I don't care. I just want to play. And uh, and and that's what United were like back then, Maisie. When United call, you don't care. You just sign. Boom. And then the, the hard work starts of trying to get into the team. You played a couple of Reggie games. Get get stronger, get used to the pace, train with the first team, play reses, and then I think it was a few months later. I think why well, he gave me my debut a few minutes against uh, um, Newcastle at home, and then I had to go and get stronger and with the res, which was great. And then he gave me my debut. It was like uh, I don't know if it was December. I know it was cold around then, but that's the it was it just worked out perfectly amazing because I flew my parents over. The, so this is my first time again. My parents have been on an aeroplane, never been out of Cape Town, so I flew them over because uh, just signed for United. My dad's team and they in the stand that night and uh, it was against Bradford and the boss just said to me before the game you're playing it's like <laughs> again Maisie like <laughs> you could have yeah, yeah. told me like maybe get but that's just how the boss worked <laughs> and um, the lads were unbelievable honestly Yarp was uh, the rest of the with it yeah. unbelievable and the pitch Maisie if you look at the game the pitch was muddy yeah so the pitch was I muddy, know, it's muddy it? it was like yeah. wow a certain time of the season it was like and now you look at Old Trafford; it's all all year round. It was perfect. Bowling green. You imagine the yeah. lights at that at that you condition. Don't, you don't get a bubble now. Oh, yeah. you could not look at the pitch and no. try to get one in. You get half an excuse. And, uh, and um, I made my debut, and my I mean, especially because my parents are there. I think it was a ball from Ole on the right hand side, and me and Coley we were both running to the first post, and I just managed to get a touch and score my debut. So for me, God could have come down that that night and go, let's go home. It was, it was the ultimate. Did you look for your ancestors in the crowd? Ancestors, no, ancestors were gone then. They were like, it's okay, we can go. We you can don't go. need us. You don't need us anymore. You got your mum and dad here. Oh, amazing. That was one of the best That's feelings so ever. Cool. Because 
it's just like because uh, I, I mean I was very fortunate of, of my what's happened in my life but my parents were the ones that went through the real struggle so for, to have them there and for my because my dad told me about uh, Manchester United when I was five years old and I didn't realize it because I was a kid he said to me he took me to the first movie in Cape Town he says to me um, so he took me to this movie called Escape to Victory and I don't know why my dad took me to this movie I just remember it it was Pelé and it was uh, Sir Bobby and Sylvester Stallone was still in gold the Aussie Adelas it's one of the great movies football movies yeah yeah and I just yeah. remember after after uh, 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 we walked out uh, the movies he said to me about this play called George Best amazing five year old kid in Cape Town I didn't know but I knew that, I just remember the name. I just remember the name at all. So for to sign for United, my dad's favorite team, come on. Yeah. It's mad, it's just like, wow. It's like one thing after the other, it's like, wow. So yeah, crazy. Maisie, what was it like when, when Queenie joined? Because obviously we talked about you had just won the treble. So we all sort of looking at him thinking, okay, what are you going to bring to us? <laughs> uh, it's like, who is this kid? <laughs> well, 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 when you first started me training, you thought, it's one of those charity kids who, you know, <laughs> he's raised 100 quid for the foundation and he gets to train with the first team. No, I t- I'll tell you about Quinny. He's the most, and I'm not just saying that obviously because he's, he's on the podcast today, but he's genuinely one of the nicest blokes you will ever, ever meet. Whenever whenever I, I came to the club in, in 94, I always remember the dressing room, they just won the double. Robbo just left, so there's like Brucey, Pally, Incy, Keeney, all, all, all them, Cantona, Mark Hughes, Schmeichel. And I, I walked in the dressing room thinking, Jesus, this is going to be tough. Exactly, similar to Quinny, you know, you're in awe of them. They just mm-hmm. won the double. And I always remember the lads welcoming me with open arms. Amazing, welcome to the club. You know, you're here, this, that, the other. And it, Quinny would have been exactly the same. Yeah. You know, anybody that's going to come to, to help the team, absolutely. And, and Quinn, you know, Quinn is a fantastic player. Absolutely fantastic player. But always got a smile on his face. You know, he's similar to Yorkie. You know, just loves football. And you can see that the enthusiasm, the passion he has, um, his, his drive and his will to win. And Was he shy when he came, Maisie? He's still shy now. Quinton, shy? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I know. <laughs> He, he, he was probably again similar to me a little bit quiet find your feet yeah. um, you know get your, get your feet under the table and then he starts coming out and then you just you, just, you know never hear the end of him no he's a bloody absolutely nightmare now don't shut up Quinny when we had Louis Sahar on the podcast he told yeah. us that it's impossible not to be motivated if you're in the dressing room with you yeah Ooh, thank you Louis uh, I don't know I just for me, it's simple. From my journey, from what I've been through and coming to Tottenham, I always knew the, the way people treated me. I just wanted to do the same in return. So I didn't want to be negative or so. Whenever, wherever I meet in life, whether it's my teammates or anyone, I always try to be nice. And I know it's weird, but that's just how I was brought up. So first thing I was taught is to say please and thank you. And my dad always taught me about humility. So regardless of who you meet, you meet the prime minister, you meet the queen or you meet the guy who cleans the change rooms, you treat everyone with respect and the same. So these were always seeds planted me from a very young age. So I just tried to treat it, uh, and especially my teammates that I spend almost every day with, I wanted to motivate them and yeah. give them as much as I can to bring out the best in them. Because they would do the same for me. That's, that's just how my mind works. So It feels like a really, a really sweet moment. So I think it's a good time to point out that everybody says you are a lovely guy. 
But also, oh, no. there is that one time against Liverpool where you lost your call a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's look, the, my first experience at Anfield, uh, we lost 4-0. And um, I remember that feeling, the bus, uh, the change room was very quiet and um, the bus just said to us, remember this moment. And we all sat in the change room, silent. No, nothing was said. Nothing was said, it was just quiet. It was like, wow, this is like, and it hurt us because after that, uh, result every time we went to Anfield we never lost the game again so it was whatever happens and and I remember Gast I remember Gary Neville saying whether training or in games whenever you get hurt don't get carried off well you took it to a little you, you took it a little bit extreme didn't you when I took when I had my leg or fractured or broke my leg broke, when you broke your leg I, I said to myself <laughs> I've got to carry on I've got to carry on I can't get carried off I can't get carried off I just in my head I don't even care about what's, what's going on I can't get carried off I can't get carried off and that's just in my head and then the next day we went for the scan, it's like, your leg, your, leg. <laughs> your leg is broken. But I just in my head, Maisie, do not get carried off because we don't want to send them a message that, you know, yeah. we're weak or it's, yeah. you, you rather walk off. So you walk off. And that was the mentality then, you, you want, especially in Liverpool, we don't give them anything. Did you not have this feeling about 15 years later when you're actually doing a London marathon? <laughs> that's, that's but that's the same walking. thing. Maisie, that's the same thing. I don't know what it is. That's the same thing. When you were doing that marathon, do not, do not stop. And that's probably another thing. Do not stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Gary, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And it's I don't know what it is. It's just something in there. It's just like you can't. It's almost like you can't give in. You can't give in. So yeah, that's the. It's a bit crazy. Yeah, I need to calm down. (laughs) Just go for a walk when it's a simple. How'd you get on when the under twenty threes have to play Liverpool? We played him at the training ground in a, a practice game. Oh, we let him know it, it's no practice game against Liverpool. No. Quinny, do you know that get-off set? Every game is massively important, but there's always a little bit of spice for them. So now now you're on the other side of being a coach. Yeah. Do you still in, instill it in them from the Monday? Because whenever we used to play Liverpool, from, from the Monday, yeah. you know, the girls in the canteen, the laundry girls, you know, um, the kit men... It was geared to winning this game. Yeah. Do you now look at that and think, Saturday, Liverpool, start tuning in? Oh, yeah, because we played him, maybe we haven't played him in the league game yet because they're in a different division, but we played him at the the practice game at at the ATC. And, oh, my goodness, we let him know, even just the so-called friendly, there's no friendly here. This is Liverpool. Do not pull out of tackles here. But any, any game, especially this one, especially this one. And we're not saying go and hurt people. But when it's a 50-50, you, you go through him and you just make sure you, 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 know, you take care of yourself. But I remember when, uh, when we were playing at United, there's for some reason a week before, before we played Liverpool or Arsenal, something changed in training. Tackles were flying, all of a sudden Scholes is tackling you in the neck or something. Or, I don't know, I just, I just remember the boss stopping training a couple of times and sent us in. Yeah, the boss yeah. said, go in. That's it, yeah. And this is like uh, maybe a day or two before a game and you're like, you could see like the lads were like and you had the, the Friday the, oh, the Friday before goodness any big game was ridiculous in training it was a, I just remember walking in frustrated because it was buzzing yeah. and we were flying with tackles and it was on the edge but the boss just knew when to stop it and he had to he knew okay keep that yeah. little bit for tomorrow and then the game came tomorrow you were like open the cage and like Straight out, it was unbelievable. You don't need to, yeah. There's, there's no motivational talk. Oh, is it? it was brilliant, and especially against like the likes of Vieira. Oh, 
when you play against Gerard, you look for Gerard. The first thing you say, where's Gerard? Because you wanted to go for the main player. Yeah. And uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Loved the competition. Quentin, you were part of the squad uh, that won three titles. What was that experience yeah. like for you, particularly your first one? It was just, I mean, amazing, Anna, because you look at the team, that the, the players that I was surrounded with, it was like unbelievable. I was so fortunate because you can go from Maisie, Keeney, Scolzi. Scolzi was, a, people don't realize how good Scolzi was. Scolzi was a genius. Like before the internet, there was Scolzi. So if you need any information, go and ask Scolzi. <laughs> you, you knew it. No, it was just the guy would see, have so many pictures in his head and you could never get near to him. I, I don't, I, people take it for granted and, 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 and I've seen a lot of quotes about, you know, and no disrespect to other players like, like so Lampard, fantastic player and Gerrard and he compares Scolzi. I'm like, it's impossible to compare these guys with Scolzi. He was in another dimension. He was another level. He was just, Scolzi could do everything. If you wanted to ping a ball, I'll may as well tell you, even ping a ball. Yeah, yeah. He could it's do it. Having it. Play around the corner, do it. Three, four pitches, a joy to play with, a joy, an absolute yeah. joy. Then you get Keeney, the, the way Keeney was demanding, the, the warrior every day, driving and training, setting standards. Then you get Bex, who was, was a joke in terms of his, his work ethic, the technique. You watch videos of Bex, you run down the line, Bex runs down, and you look at the red jerseys running to the box. May as well tell you, it was just, it was, he had a chance of scoring. You know coming. You know, yeah. it, was a, it, was, it was a half a chance of scoring. Then you get Yorkie, Coley coming short, Yorkies, give you that confidence, give me the ball, no problem. And you had Oli, I mean, you give Oli one chance, and Oli used to do this in training all the time. You get, he gets the ball and shoot through your legs. Uh... People thought, people kept saying, ah, it's a fluke. No, you practice it. It was ridiculous. And then Barnistroy came. Oh my goodness, a machine. So it was like you train with Giggsy. I saw something in the, in, the, in the paper the other day, some, I don't know who this person was saying negative things about Giggsy. And I was just shaking my head thinking, how is it possible? He was saying Giggsy was overrated. Oh my goodness. It could be so far from the truth. Giggsy was like. We know what you mean. Oh, oh, we know what you mean. Giggsy, yeah. Giggsy, Giggsy could, if he wanted to play left back, he could play left back. If he wanted to play midfield, he could play midfield. If Giggsy wanted to play up front, striker, he could play striker. So you have all these players in your team and they're working hard. You had no chance. Wherever we came up against on a Saturday afternoon, it was actually, in no disrespect to them, it was actually a little bit easier because you face these high-level players, world-class players in training every day at high level. And on a Saturday afternoon, you play against players at not that level and on top of running more than them. So it was just like a joy, a joy to play with. You mentioned uh, Ollie shooting through the legs. We've also seen that, and he spoke to us about it on his episode of the podcast with Mason Greenwood this year. Oh yeah, Ollie, but he practiced. Ollie was um, very calculated. Uh, Ollie is this—you'd be sitting on the bench, and you could see Ollie coming on. He knew where to run, knew what to do. But you saw Ollie in training every day, practice, 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 practice. So he didn't come with—he uh, was lucky. No, no, no. The guy was <laughs> preparing himself. Uh, uh, for that moment. Is that something that Mason has been working on as well? Because we've seen him quite often yeah. do exactly the same. Oh, Mason, yeah. But he's, Mason is fortunate. He's got Ollie as a manager. Um, and obviously, the, all the coaches had through the, uh, his years as a, as a youth team player. But he couldn't have asked for a better manager because Ollie's done it at the highest level. Ollie was an absolute nightmare in training. As you said, Quinny, yeah. I think I mentioned it to him on the podcast mm-hmm. when we did it with him. I said, do you know what you used to be right off, Ollie? the amount of times you put it through your legs. And he just used to say, because 
you know, keepers had set themselves off defenders. Yeah. And obviously defenders spread the legs wide to try and make a, you know, biggest block. Yeah. And the amount of goals he scored through defenders' legs. And as you say, it's not fluke. Oh, it's amazing. He just did it training day in, day out. It was unbelievable. And he used to absolutely knock you. And it was, it was, I don't know what it is, mate. He always sees the target. Yeah. Always just sees the target. Every time you're watching, like, you give him, a, you give him the ball. Boom. Even if he doesn't score, he hit the target and make the keeper work. It was left and right foot relentless. You, you talk about, uh, Sam touched on, on Mason. How good could he be? <sighs> Mason, uh, I've, there's not many players in world football that are able to go both ways like, like Mason does. Like, equally, left and right foot. It, it was ridiculous. What foot is it? I don't, I don't know, Mason. I, th- I thought he was left footed. Yeah, then he takes penalties with his right foot. And he takes penalties. And I've seen him take a free kick with his right foot and left foot. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Mm. Like, dude, like, just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? <laughs> but he's just and Mason. He's the only player, and this is how Mason. This is very. This is how calculated Mason is. This is why it's like it's, it's a little bit different. I'm walking through the uh, the building at the ATC, and uh, there's a computer room where you can go into you know the analyst team. And Mason was in there. He was kind of looking at games and waking, getting back. Um, it's the only player I've seen. So he's honored. He's honored Mason, and just natural, natural. He's a finisher. He's an unbelievable finisher. He's the real deal. Is there anything in his game where you think, mm, could do with just working on that a little bit? Or... I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting. Don't forget, we know he's only a kid. Yeah. It's almost like I, I'm probably too greedy. I'm waiting for him to kind of show a burst of speed. But he's so good around the box, Maisie. Any boy you give him, he's got that step over. Boom. He just created that one little bit of a yard for him. Boom. You don't, as a defender, you, you normally, you know, Mason, you know, show him his left, show him, which way do you saw Mason? Yeah. You show him his right, he can go right, he can go left, he can go left. So it's just, um, I don't even know, it's like, the guy's got everything. Hmm. Quentin, one thing you're very good at is talking about how good everybody else is, but you seem to slip over yourself so I'm going to ask Maisie that question oh, because no. Quentin's too humble to ever say anything nice about himself. Uh, Qu- uh, Maisie, what was Quentin like as a player? Oh, wow. Ah, top player. Top player. Thank you, Maisie. Sorry. I'll, 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 I'll send you the... <laughs> send me the potatoes later. Swiss, Swiss account. <laughs> no, Quinn is... I tell you, Quinn is one of those that not a gigsy, not a scolesy, but you know he's there and he does exactly what's... He's like Ron Seal. He does exactly what's what's on the tin. You know, he'll, he'll smash people. What's required of him? Yeah, he'll smash people. He can pass a ball. Um, he can break things down. He's a, he's somebody that every team needs. On top of that, I don't want to keep licking his ass here, but he is a great <laughs> lad. He is an unbelievable lad. And when you hear this story, we'll look back at it. It's an amazing story. Incredible. And there's probably other stories out there that you know can be can be heard, but this is so unique in the ways you know it's his story from in the ghetto in in South Africa to where he was to where he is now, coaching under twenty threes. It's a phenomenal story. But as a player, it's like a Dennis Irwin of midfield. Just gives you eight out of ten. Great player, great player. There you go, Quentin. Because Oof. you are you you always deflect yourself. Um, you're so humble and say good things about everyone else but you've had an incredible career 
I would Eleanor was very fortunate I think you're still in awe <laughs> <laughs> you're still in awe of everyone yeah. else no. what about you no I just I was Quinny is that right I, I don't I don't think I left anything out that you sent me <laughs> <laughs> thank you Macy is there some more coming through in a minute no I was just I was very fortunate I was the players I may as well tell you the players I've been able to play with it's just like I mean you. I forget about to mention the boss I mean you couldn't ask for better manager play and the, the boss. I know Pause there, Quinny. Sorry, we're just losing you a second there, mate. Can you hear me now? It's uh, breaking up a little bit. Try now? Yep. That sounds better, mate. Yeah, just start that again. Did you say I forgot to mention the boss, was it? Yeah, do you know what? I'm glad we restarted that because I swear I thought you said the boss. I thought you were going to talk about how good the boss was. Big wheels. Windows. No. <laughs> Two toilets, I think. The boss. <laughs> okay, Sir Alex. Sir Alex. The boss. There's no other way to. The boss, not the boss, Ellen. <laughs> not the boss. <laughs> Ellen, how's the, the boss, end, Quinton? At the internet yeah. connection. <laughs> wait, wait, Ellen, just a, just, just a quick deflection. Do you watch Puff and Rock? No, is it a kids' program? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's, you just need to no. watch it. Okay. I will anyway, watch it. Anyway, get back to the boss. Get back to the boss. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what, though? You're such a happy guy. That is actually something you would talk about. So we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maze, you know the bus, yeah? <laughs> anyway, the bus. So the bus. <laughs> the bus, Alex. Okay. The gaffer. The gaffer. The gaffer. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my cheeks are so good. The, you know, people speak about how good the bus was. He is just another level. I remember seeing the best of him at White Hart Lane. We're 3-0 down against Tottenham. We come in and there was a very, there's, that doesn't happen very often, but when we do, may as well tell you, when things don't go right, he comes in and it just kicks off and the things are flying and it's in your face. It's like, oh my goodness. So he's coming in, in the change room and I'm preparing myself and I was on the bench and I'm preparing myself and my head is down thinking, oh, it's gonna kick off. I'm, my head is down, the boss comes in and he's quiet. So I'm thinking, no, don't be quiet. This is worse that makes it, he's gonna just, explode he says Maisie when we score the next goal we win this game mm. not if not even the if when so he planted that seed we scored five goals a second off five goals blue Tottenham they didn't know what because they thought the game was finished unbelievable I was like that I was like what is this I think Varane scored Beck scored uh, Rude Ollie, and you said Varane I watched it the other day. It was just amazing. It was like... Larry White scored, didn't he? Laurent Blanc. Yeah. It was just unbelievable, amazing. Just the boss was like, he knew what to say in the right moments. And but, when we signed Ronaldo... Did you not find that though with the gaffer? Sometimes like, you could be winning 3-0 at half time and you come in and rip all our heads off. Oh yeah. Amazing. You'd be thinking... Oh, you think, oh, what's going on there? Yeah, you think, like, you think, you're, you think, you think you're doing well. Like, yeah. Oh, he brings you down. He brings you down like... It was unbelievable. There was one game, Maisie. This is obviously how, how United were and, and, and the, the, the level that they set. We played West Ham at, 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 at Old Trafford one year and we're winning seven. It was like 7 0, Maisie. Mm-hmm. And we get a corner. And uh, they had like, I think Lampard, St. Clair, and all those guys. And, and I see Beck sprinting to the corner, Maisie, and we're winning 7 0. <laughs> I think Beck's. Like even Spain, they would have probably said, "Hey, tranquilo, easy, easy, waste some time." Becks are sprinting to, to take a corner, take a quick corner, so we can score again. And that made me realize, maybe it's almost like they send the message to West Ham, like you know, it's almost like if you come here again, you don't even think about winning. It's almost like 
this is like the end for you. Like it was just amazing to see seven nil backspin to the crane corner, everyone flying into the box, and I'm like, <laughs> but that just shows you with Manchester United, one goal, keep going, two goals, keep going. It's just, and then the boss was just like, oh, the boss was brilliant. When Ronaldo arrived, how he nurtured Ronaldo and, and Waza when they came into the team, amazing. Ronaldo should Ronaldo and Waza should thank the boss so much because the way he nurtured them to becoming the play I mean they were fantastic players already amazing yeah yeah yeah. but to have the boss there and, and to, to kind of nurture you through it you couldn't have asked for a better manager this is probably a really stupid question to ask you Quentin but my hair it's, I use I use head and shoulders <laughs> sorry Luke. is that what you can ask you, no, I was going to ask do you have any regrets in your career which I imagine is going to be a no but you never know <sighs> Regrets. Um, probably one regret. The the tackle I went in at Liverpool, I went in probably too honest. Is this where you broke your leg? Yeah. I went sideways, mate, instead of like put my mm-hmm. foot mm-hmm. straight. That's the only thing, because I think that's the injury that kind of affected my career at United. But mm-hmm. anything else, just, I couldn't ask for. You've lived the dream, haven't you? Oh, my goodness, amazing. We, we've all lived the dream, playing for United. All right, rub it in. Some of us are still waiting. It's all right, Sam. You've done two <laughs> marathons, and that's and that's why I try to to uh, say to our players, maybe under twenty three, uh, when I, we come to train, I said it's a privilege to even come in. You know, you to come and train for Manchester United, to come to the to the ATC yeah. to wear the red jersey. It's a you should treat it as a privilege. It was absolute privilege to play with the players, to have the boss at Old Trafford. Oh, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable, amazing. Yeah, I pinched myself and just out of amazing gratitude to have played with amazing amazing players you'll get Helen crying in a minute I'll start crying I mean Johnny was Johnny as well Johnny was amazing Maisie Johnny Evans he was amazing doesn't make me cry well behind every great man there's a great woman well, there true. you go true. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quinny before we wrap this up there are a couple of final things I need to ask number one is I want to talk to you about Porto you scored the goal uh, yep. But it got ruled out, and what happens is Porto then go on and win the Champions League. Oh, that's the year. I think that's the year. I, that's the one. Was, yeah, that's sorry. That's one of the regrets because I felt like that's that was our year to win the the Champions League. Yeah, I don't know what the ref thought at Old Trafford, the goal we scored, but Mourinho sprinting down the line and yeah, oh, yeah, that hurt. That hurt. That one hurt. Yeah. Uh, and my next question was just going to be before we say goodbye. You're coaching the under twenty threes now. What uh, what's your ambition? Do you want to go beyond that? Do you like working in uh, in in the in the youth setup? Mm. What do you hope for? Oh, that's I was thought about that question yesterday for some reason, and my first thought was to become the manager of Manchester United. That's my dream. Of course, I'm starting now with the under 23s. I'm learning a lot. I want to learn as much as possible because the, the manager gets changed so quickly in, in the game today. But learn and and, and just trying to help young players get better that's the main thing now for me yes we want to win games of course but the aim now for, for myself and Woody is to get the players to the first team that's the most important and from there you, you learn as much as possible but look if I have to go out and learn somewhere else and become a manager but the, the dream the ultimate dream is to come back and be the manager of Manchester United that's like because from what I've been through <laughs> imagining we <laughs> I'm going. I'm going for the, the highest, the highest level. And why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, one of your former teammates, and Dwight York was talking about management recently and yep. saying that he doesn't think 
uh, people are given a fair necessarily a fair shot at it, saying even having Alex Ferguson give him recommendations, people are yep. still picking white managers yep. in La Liga, Bundesliga, the Premier League. Do you think um, there needs to be more systemic change to to create more equal opportunities? Yeah, I do think, but at the same time, I, I want to be given the job uh, because of my ability. I want to be always be judged because of my character or what I can bring to the team, not because of the color of my skin. But at the moment, kind of they have to put in a system to kind of, because when you look at the game, you see a lot of black players, but why are there not many black managers? I don't know why, what the reason is, and I don't like to, because if I think if I go too deep into that, it will kind of block my way of thinking. So I like to think just, I'm going to work as hard as I can, get all my qualifications, prepare myself, and not let that barrier stop me. And if this is if there's a system put in place, great. But regardless of that, I'm gonna go work anyway. So that's my my way of thinking. I'm gonna get my qualification like I'm doing now, my pro license, and just um, prepare myself because I you gotta kind of imagine yourself become the manager and, and 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 put things in place. And of course, like I said, if if they do, it'd be great if there's a system in place. Just give more uh, a black place an opportunity. Great, get more black players as coaches. I'm all for that, but I'm all for also. You gotta put in the work. You gotta repay yourself. You gotta, you gotta be a great manager. And I want to be, give, I want to be given the chance. I want to be given the chance because of, because of my talent. Yeah. Brilliant, Quentin. Winston Fortune's red and white army. <laughs> Cheers, Winston. <laughs> Winston. Quentin, that was brilliant. Just one question we have to ask you before you go. Um, we've obviously spoken to a lot of people on the podcasts. Who would be your recommendation as a guest for us? Oh, Keeney. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll try. Give us another. Anyone else who you think we might be able to get on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, okay. Can you ask Keeney for us? And that would be great. Okay. <laughs> yes, no, no, okay. The thing is, everybody recommends him. Nobody wants to actually ask him for okay. us. Yeah, we have to get... Can you ask him? <laughs> let's see, let's see, let's see. Who else? Uh, that's a good question. Or maybe Yap or... Yeah, Yap would be great. Or, or Rude. But Kini would be the first one because... Oh, because Kini came to actually to the training ground a few months ago, Maisie, and spoke to the lads for an hour. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, if you can sort those out for us, that would be awesome, Quinny. Yeah. I'll just have to call my lawyer quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Quinny it's been an absolute pleasure mate oh, thank you Maisie thank you so much <laughs> thank you guys well that was a joy wasn't it absolutely brilliant yeah one of my favourite podcasts yeah it was great wants to be manager wants to take Holly's job yes yeah. as does Darren Fletcher yeah yeah as does probably Giggsy as well yeah there's a few lined up but I said before the show. I like that. Uh, yeah, I said before the actual podcast started. What a lovable guy! What a great guy he is. Um, so down to earth. He's infectious, and I think looking at the story he comes, the story from where he comes from, is 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 a story that you know everybody should 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 know and should listen to. It. It's mm-hmm. incredible. What a journey! Definitely. What a journey, indeed. So the story about how when he was at United, and if the players are running ten miles, and he's going to run twenty miles. He's just desperate to make it. He didn't want to go home, did he? No. And I think, I think you know, growing up at Spurs, having the taste of it, 
and then having to be dragged away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of players. Because when you're 18, that's probably when most children are, not children, teenagers are getting their break. And he was yeah. probably thinking, oh, this is it for me. That's it, yeah. But yeah, you know, he goes to uh, Atletico and he, he does a job there. And next minute he's, he's, he's playing for, for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Incredible journey. It really Maisie. is brilliant. Maisie, is he too nice to be a manager? Because he talks oh, about no, 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 Alex's no. His ability to, to come in and scream and shout and getting his head down and being a bit scared and worried, but he seems so happy. I, it's hard to see that other side of him that oh, no. he might need. No, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a nasty side to him. <laughs> He'll appreciate that. Yeah, well, there is. There is. And I think in, in any any footballer, there's always a nasty side to somebody. And, you know, I mean, he touched on the tackle, didn't he? You know, he went in the wrong way. There's always a nasty side to, to the good guys. And, um, you know, if if he needs to say something, I'm sure the under-23s will know all about him. You know, if things aren't going right in the dressing room, he'll make sure that, or on the pitch, he'll make sure that in the dressing room they know all about it. Well, that was a really amazing episode. Nearly got some tears again from Helen. Not this time, but it was close again. I think um, I'm going to get a bit of a reputation here, Sam, for being a bit of an emotional wreck, but... <laughs> I think you are. I just thought Quentin's story obviously I've known Quentin for 10 years and there's things there that he told me that I never knew I just thought it was an incredible story uh, from an incredible person yeah it was so shall we do some emails yeah why not I've got one from Mike Taylor he says hello Sam Helen and David I like many others and loving the podcast every week and enjoying a combination of listening to it whilst taking our one year old out for a stroll in the sun or watching on MUTV I love the one with Everett and his love for the club is brilliant listening to these interviews and picturing the memories is so good and makes me happy in these uncertain times I'd love to hear a podcast with either Rio uh, by himself or with Vida as a double act that would be great also Big Rude Bex uh, a present player would be great maybe the captain Harry I'll interrupt you uh, Mike we have had Harry did one with Robbo which you can listen to it's pretty good um, keep up the great work and I can't wait for this week's surprise all the best stay safe that's Mike in Plymouth thank you Mike Rudy Pinson said hi guys my name's Rudy Pinson and I'm from Haiti in the Caribbean at times I feel so lucky and very proud to be a fan of this football club a big thank you guys I've been supporting United for more than a decade now and with this podcast now we know more about the players and some great stories behind the scene and scene sorry and it's great wouldn't it be amazing if we had a United pod podcast YouTube channel so we could actually see the guests their reactions and facial expression during the talking well Rudy we do yeah Rudy if you go to United's YouTube channel you can see clips from the podcast there you go and uh, if you have MUTV I think every Friday a new episode drops and you can watch the whole conversation and that includes mm-hmm. these lockdown episodes as well um, probably less exciting than the ones where we've actually gone and sat down with people but you get to look into David May's house so that's something uh, Right, one more Ted Wallace Hi, my name is Ted I'm 14 I'm from Australia and I'm a huge United fan I have listened to your podcast for a few months now and I've really enjoyed learning more about the history and culture of the club I've been a United fan since I was around 7 years old and always set an alarm to wake up at 11pm till 6 6am to watch the games. It is great that you guys have still been doing this virtually, even though lockdown is on. I particularly love to listen about the Sir Alex Ferguson era, the class of 92, and what they achieved together, such as the treble in 1999. My favourite podcast so far would have to be the Patrice Evra, Gary Pallister and Paul Pogba ones. I could listen to their stories all day. My goal is to become a professional footballer and I will try my best to get there one day. Thank you, Sam, Helen and David for providing me and all the other fans out there with something to listen to and learn from during 
during lockdown. Thank you very much indeed. Shouldn't stay up all night though. Cheers, Ted. Thanks for listening. Um, if any of you uh, want to get involved, then please send us an email. It's unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk and you can subscribe and you can rate and you can review our podcast in wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, whatever. It, we really appreciate it and um, we hope you're doing okay in these funny times. Hopefully, it won't be too long to be all back out in the world again. Um, take care of yourselves and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, troops. Bye.